When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number smart beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, during Sleep Number's President's Day sale, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed plus special financing for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. See store for details. You've been watching the House Judiciary Committee. This impeachment hearing getting more contentious this afternoon as lawyers for the Democratic majority and Republican minority answer questions about their findings, presenting their cases for and against the impeachment uh, of President Trump. Uh, uh, Laura Coates, um, let's start with you. I mean, the second part of this hearing felt different than the first part, uh, almost like a trial with a, the, the various staff members almost being cross-examined uh, by individuals on the committee. And it might have seemed very counterintuitive as to why this would be an appropriate tactic. But the reason they were doing this as opposed to a general presentation of evidence showing the pros and cons in favor of essentially elements of what abuse of power would look like, a presentation to convince and persuade the American people, and of course the Senate for a looming trial that may take place, is they were trying to talk about the way in which the questions were presented or asked of the over a dozen witnesses in the public hearings to say, what did you fail to present? What was the angle you were trying to, and the lens you want American people to view this in, about abuse of power? So they were able to go at one another, the different lawyers who asked the questions, to say, hold on a second. When the American people heard something in the public hearings, it was because you were trying to pursue a narrative, not the whole comprehensive truth here. And that wasn't immediately obvious, as you wondered, even... I think his name was um, uh, Goldmark, Congressman Goldmark, who said, why are we having people who are witnesses suddenly being the judges in this as well and giving information? It's because that was the lens we saw in the past two weeks, how it comes through. Now, I don't think it was very effective to do it that way. I would much rather prefer to somebody who has done trials to actually present the evidence as opposed to expect somebody who is an interested party, to undermine their own case in front of the American people. It would have been more prudent to say, here are the facts we have in support of this theory of the case. Here are the facts that people are saying, here are our counter arguments. Here's why those are not important or should be looked at. But you ha- And that's what lent itself all the way to this idea of, you're the one who's a problem. You saw Castor be attacked. You saw Goldman be attacked. And then ultimately, how could they answer? It's not them. It's the evidence. Uh, do you think, Jeffrey Tubin, that this would have been more effective for both sides uh, if it had been Chairman Adam Schiff of the Intelligence Committee talking instead of his lead uh, uh, investigator and lawyer, uh, Mr. Goldman? And the same thing uh, with Devin Nunes, the ranking Republican on, te- on intelligence, instead of uh, that committee's Republican lawyer, uh, Mr. Castor? I, I don't, actually. I, I thought that the morning, in particular where you had the detailed cases laid out by both sides was very valuable and was something that was substantive and serious. And frankly, the lawyers know the facts better than the politicians. 
So, I mean, you know, we've spent the last hour uh, with the re Republicans going after um, uh, Daniel Goldman, the lawyer for the Democrats on the Intelligence Committee, about the issue of the phone calls that were um, disclosed involving Devin Nunez and, and whether that was like an attack leak on, on another member of Congress. It is about as far from whether Donald Trump should be impeached or not than I can imagine. Well, it was it was sort of a tale of two stories, right? I mean, the Republicans were going after the Democrats on process, and that was clearly part of the process. They were saying, as Mr. Castor said, that the Democrats have been obsessed, I think was his word, with impeaching Donald Trump uh, since day one. And they were setting out to prove that. And the Democrats, for their hand, with the their attorney, were saying, actually, the president remains a clear and present danger to the United States of America because he has tried to influence the 2020 election. And they went back and forth on that. I mean, you know, Goldman says the evidence was overwhelming and uncontested. And the Republicans say, no, it's not that at all. I mean, my favorite, my favorite part of this was when um, Mr. Castor was trying to do his own riff on the president's letter. I mean, letter phone call. And he said that he was not asking for a favor that would help his reelection. He was asking for assistance in helping our country move forward from mm -hmm. the divisiveness of the Russia collusion investigation. Huh? I don't really understand that. What you, would you make of it? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that he said a lot of problematic things. Castor? Castor, yeah. The Republican also, lawyer. you know, saying that when he was asked, well, I think it was posited to him that Joe Biden was a leading contender for the Democratic oh, yeah. nomination against, and that would be concerning to Trump, and he wouldn't even acknowledge that basic fact. So um, he also went to great length um, to make claims that the Ukrainians didn't have any idea that the aid had been held mm -hmm. up when we had, I mean, by my count, at least five people testify that they did. They knew in, in July. Yeah, in various in, in different August. ways. There were right. a lot of people who who knew that they that they knew um, that it had been held up and that they were very concerned about it. So, you know, he was making these arguments that I think have been Republican talking points, but they're not really backed up by the facts. And I would expect more from from him, frankly. Scott? Yeah, you know, I, I'm not sure that anybody was moved by what they saw today. I mean, the only thing probably uh, more confusing for the American people than watching congressmen fight over this is watching staffers uh, fight over it. I mean, it, it, the same information rediscussed. The Democrats making the same arguments, Republicans making the same arguments. I, one of the exchanges that stood out to me, and I think you'll hear a lot of Republicans talk about this today, is when the Democratic lawyer uh, was badgering uh, Castor over Biden, you know, being a leading contender and in, in, in the tweets about Biden. And a lot of Republicans look at this issue from a different angle, which is, boy, all you have to do to be absolved of having, you know, bad judgment in your past job uh, being looked at is run for president. And so, you know, as they go through that, they think they're scoring points on Republicans by sort of pointing out these Biden issues. But a lot of Republicans see it differently, that it's not fair for him to get away with the a potential appearance of a conflict of interest just because he happened to file for office. But after, uh, uh, Asha, what, what did you make of the hearing so far? Well, I thought what you saw today was just basically two different strategies. One is presenting a legal theory of the case. Barry Burke laid out the ABC, abuse of power, betrayal of the public trust, corruption of, of the elections. And then you just kind of had this very meandering presentation by Steve Castor, which, um, you know, focused on the process, eventually got to the substance, but even then involved kind of these cherry-picked uh, kind of mischaracterizations of the evidence. And I think, 
It's strange to me because I think that they could, if they wanted to, get a very good attorney to push a legal theory, even if it's just something as basic as this is not an impeachable offense and we will go to bat on that matter of law. I think that could potentially be more effective um, than kind of a lot of what they're doing with the subpoenas and bringing up all of these issues. The other, th- the other thing that's interesting is um, that Steve Castor, the Republican lawyer who's serving double duty, he's being the lawyer for both the House Intelligence Committee and the House Judiciary Committee yeah. uh, in this presentation, uh, he is not going with what we heard from Jonathan Turley, the Republican witness last week, um, which was, even if you don't like this, it's not impeachable. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Steve Castor is going with the Trumpian defense, Absolutely. which is, this was a perfect phone call. Nothing wrong is here. What are you even talking about? Right. And Turley, and Turley also said, we're not sure where this is going because we need more evidence. He, he, he didn't commit one way or another, whereas Castor, you're absolutely right, was taking the position was Zelensky was never pressured. There wasn't any quid pro quo. There's nothing here. That phone call was perfect. He didn't use the word perfect, but that is effectively what he said. He also said that Ukrainians didn't want the president elected. And even though they wrote it in an op-ed, that's not election meddling. That's writing an op-ed. You're allowed to do that. So and it wasn't about Trump being elected. It was about Trump's position, position. on Crimea should be part of Russia. Exactly. So they didn't like Trump. Right. So so he was t- he was very using the, the Trump arguments to a T. All right. Everyone stick around. We've got a lot more to talk about. It is a very busy day today. We've got more on the impeachment hearing. But first, we also have big breaking news. The Department of Justice's inspector general report on the FBI investigation into the 2016 Trump campaign. That report has dropped. What does it say? We'll tell you when it comes back. Stay, when we come back. Stay with us. We have some breaking news from the Justice Department now. The highly anticipated Inspector General report is now out. The independent watchdog examined early days of the Russia investigation. The IG found no evidence of political bias or improper motivation influencing the FBI's decision to investigate potential ties between the Trump campaign and the Russian government. But the report did find major errors in the handling of surveillance warrants of Trump campaign associate Carter Page where key facts were inaccurately stated or omitted. Attorney General William Barr, unusually, is disputing the findings of the Inspector General report, calling the investigation into the Trump campaign intrusive. CNN's Evan Perez has been going through the findings of the report since it was released earlier this afternoon. Evan, tell me the, the top lines that you're pulling out right now. Well, Jake, the top line uh, does not fall in line with what the president and some of his allies have been saying, that the FBI had no reason to be doing this investigation. And frankly, what even Bill Barr, the attorney general, seems to be suggesting. Uh, I'll quote you part of what the report says uh, from uh, Michael Horowitz, the inspector general. He says, quote, we did not find documentary or or testimonial, testimonial evidence that political bias or improper motivation influenced the decisions uh, to open the four individual investigations. Now, these were four investigations into four people connected with the Trump campaign. We're talking about George Papadopoulos, uh, Carter Page, uh, Michael Flynn, who was a national security advisor and eventually became the national security advisor in the White House, and Paul Manafort, who served as uh, the chairman of the campaign at one point. And uh, what Horowitz found was that the FBI had enough evidence to open this investigation, which was called uh, a crossfire hurricane. Uh, And so what was done at the beginning was proper, according to Horowitz. But the report, of course, also outlines some very significant errors made by uh, FBI officials. 
That's right. There were 17 total uh, instances in which there were substantial uh, inaccuracies or omissions that were left out of these uh, FISA uh, applications. These are uh, surveillance warrants that were, that were targeting Carter Page, who, uh, as we mentioned, was a, uh, an advisor for the campaign. Uh, according to Horowitz, there were 17 such instances in which things were left out or just was just plainly inaccurate. And these were four different warrants, uh, Jake, that were that were uh, got approval from a court. And in each case, uh, the FBI simply failed to update the information for, for the judges that were reviewing these warrants. Uh, Attorney General Bill Barr taking the unusual step uh, of slamming the FBI, disagreeing with the inspector general's report at the same time. Uh, what is he saying exactly? That's right. He's challenging what the key finding here from Horowitz is, uh, again, that, that there was no bias, that the, the FBI had enough reason to open this investigation. I'll read you what his uh, statement that is very unusual that he issued this afternoon. He says, quote, the inspector general's report now makes clear that the FBI launched an intrusive investigation of a U.S. presidential campaign on the thinnest of suspicions that, in my view, were insufficient to justify the steps taken. It also is also clear that from its inception, the evidence produced by the investigation was consistently exculpatory. Nevertheless, the investigation and surveillance was pushed forward uh, uh, for the duration of the campaign and deep into President Trump's administration. Now, uh, Jake, as you know, the, 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 the attorney general and has, has hired or has appointed uh, a prosecutor, John Durham, who also has issued a statement saying that he disagrees with some of the findings in the Horowitz report. And I guess uh, you can sum it up this way, that Horowitz seems to be giving the FBI, at least on that part of the, the investigation, is saying that it's a clean bill. Essentially, they had enough reason to do this investigation. Uh, everybody who was interviewed seems to indicate the FBI would have been negligent if they did not open this investigation. Bill Barr disagrees. He does indeed. Uh, Evan Perez, thank you uh, so much. Uh, joining our panel now, we have with us former FBI general counsel uh, Jim Baker. Um, you are not singled out for any specific criticism, but the report does make clear uh, that, that uh, Mr. Horowitz, the inspector general, thinks that the FBI failed when it came to the administering of these FISA warrants, that too much stuff was either left out or uh, misleadingly presented uh, to the court. So do you accept the what the inspector general is saying? I'm accepting what the inspector general is saying in the report. I think there are two big groups of conclusions. One is, uh, as, as Evan was just saying, it was not a politically motivated investigation and it was properly uh, predicated. Now, if the, there were enough facts to support under the attorney general guidelines us going forward with the, that investigation. It would have been, as, as others have said, you know, malpractice for us uh, not to have opened this particular investigation. There was, the, the investigation was not a hoax. All these statements that the investigation was a hoax are just are and have been wrong this whole time. The investigation was not a coup or a coup attempt. It was not sedition. It was not treason. It was none of that stuff that, that people have said for a long time. But, what, so, it, it, but having said that, look, he does point out many mistakes that were made with respect to uh, errors, omissions uh, in the FISA process. And those are unacceptable. And I'm not going to sit here and try to defend those. Those, those have, to, have to be addressed. They should be addressed both with respect to the individuals involved. And then, as I understand, the director of the FBI, Chris Wray, is taking a hard look at changing policies and procedures. And that's a good thing because it, the, the FISA court process is so critically important to the country that it needs to have the confidence of the American people at all times. And if things need to be fixed, then they should be fixed. And if people need to be held accountable, they should be held accountable. Interestingly, a lot of civil libertarians uh, and ACLU types have been criticizing the FISA process for years, sure. saying that uh, FBI agents, you know, cook the books and only put in 
uh, the, the worst information, leave out stuff that, uh, that, that might be counterbalancing it. Now we have uh, perhaps some movement on that. It does say the report that uh, somebody uh, might be um, well, investigated uh, for possible prosecution, an FBI lawyer, I believe. Yes, that's right. That's my understanding from, from the report. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to read the whole report yet. It just came out a little while ago. But yeah, that's my understanding that, that he's been referred for uh, criminal investigation. And there's also uh, Bruce Orr, whose wife Nellie worked for uh, the uh, opposition research firm in question, uh, Fusion GPS. Bruce Orr, uh, an FBI official, uh, it says it recommends the IG uh, that he be referred to the Office of uh, Professional, Professional Respons- 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 Responsibility. Right. Yeah, that, what does that mean? That means that his conduct will be looked at as an attorney in the Department of Justice by the office that sort of it's an internal watchdog uh, specifically focused on attorneys. And so they'll, they'll make a decision with respect to any um, punishment or, uh, you know, uh, clarification that needs to be made with respect to his situation. And I also want to just get your response to the fact that you have the attorney general kind of disagreeing with the inspector general, uh, saying, criticizing the, the fact that the investigation uh, started in, into associates of the, of the Trump campaign. And very unusual, the U.S. attorney, John Durham, who is currently leading uh, Attorney General Barr's investigation into the origins of the Russia investigation, issued a statement in which he said um, that last month we advised the inspector general, we do not agree with some of the report's conclusions as to predication and how the FBI case uh, was, was opened. What do you make of that? Well, both of these statements are highly unusual. First of all, I think the attorney general's statement, just in its, I mean, what he says is just wrong based on what, the information that we have from the IG. In addition, he's got these sta- this statement about it was, uh, the FBI investigation was open on the thinnest of predications or thinnest of facts, something along those lines. Well, that's what the AG guidelines permit. That's what his guidelines that he is in charge of actually permit. And these guidelines were established by uh, a Republican attorney general, Attorney General Mukasey, back in uh, 2008 under President Bush. Those are the, invest- those are the guidelines that the FBI has operated on, on under since then. If they don't like them, they can change them. They're the attorney- He's the attorney general if he doesn't like it. But he should be careful about changing that because those guidelines were written in the uh, post-9-11 era to allow the FBI to open investigations on very thin information about what terrorists might be doing. And so these, investiga- these guidelines apply both to ter- counterterrorism cases and counterintelligence. He needs to be careful about what he wishes for. I right. just say that Mr. Baker is behaving, I think, with, unca- with characteristic <laughs> restraint here. But let's be clear about what happened today. For years and years, Donald Trump has said that the FBI and the deep state was involved in an illegal conspiracy to bring down his campaign, that they relied on the Steele dossier to uh, investigate and launch this investigation. And now, after years of investigation, the, um, the inspector general said, not true didn't happen. There was nothing wrong with the origin of this investigation. So this conspiracy theory that the president of the United States has been pushing for years was a total lie. But then we learn that the attorney general is not happy with that, that he wants to continue investigating and investigating. And his handpicked investigator, the U.S. attorney Durham, out of the blue, out of nowhere, comes out and says, oh, well, we disagree. Like, based on what? Where are his facts? It is, it is surprising that he would do that, Mr. D- right. Mr. Durham, considering the fact that he's not refuting it with any facts. He's just right. saying, we disagree. I mean, he could have just kept his mouth shut, and then if, when his report comes out, we'll see what he has. Yeah, it's, it's, it's highly unusual, and, you know, making a statement like that in the middle of an investigation 
is something that we got criticized at the FBI for doing with respect to Hillary Clinton. And there was a whole IG investigation about that. So I, I, I would I would encourage the IG to take a look at Mr. Durham's statement. Right. I mean, it is political. It sounds or it seems highly political, which is, of course, what everyone at the FBI was accused of being. You're talking about what uh, the attorney what, general what, 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 And the attorney general. At, well, and Mr. Durham in particular, who hasn't issued a report, who hasn't shown us what he's got, is saying, well, we disagree. You do? Why? Why did you feel the need to do that? I mean, it seems that the administration, which is and the attorney general, who is, you know, clearly charging everyone else with being political, seems to have some issues on his hands as well. It's very important, though, to consider the fact that they are very critical of part of the process. I think it's justifiable to say that they are criticizing, certainly are saying the conspiracy conspiracy theory has been that everything was launched with the Christopher Steele dossier. Not true. George Papadopoulos is the true origin of this. Everything else followed from that. However, we have been saying for the better part of two to three years that the FISA process is so important, and it is, but rely, the court is only as good as the information it receives. They have to give a benefit of the doubt and trust towards the investigators who give information. If any part or layer of that is inaccurate, the court is at the mercy of them, and they are, they are handcuffed in the ability to make a true decision. The court, the report goes through at least seven different instances where there are key omissions, where the court is saying, hold on a second, where they should have said, steal They've overstated his credibility. The fact that he's been corroborated in the past is somebody they can trust. That there are, that these omissions were so clear that they should have done that. And also a part of that is that the, um, the, the briefing they gave to a presidential candidate, that being Donald Trump, was also used for investigative purposes. Now, all of these things are not against a rule. There's an absence of a rule in that respect. But it's important to point out that a lot of what happened here does, in fact, um, support the president's narrative that there was people who were against him and not doing him's bidding. Now, that's okay if it's the FBI. But it wasn't political. It, but it, wasn't, it doesn't support that's his narrative. True. Right. No, that's, that's true. In fact, in fact let, me read, let me read from this and sure. then I'll come right back to you because the president talks a lot about Lisa Page and Peter yes. Strzok who have those, uh, the, the text chain in which they're saying many, many unkind things about then-candidate Trump. The report says, while Lisa Page attended some of the discussions regarding the opening of the investigation, she did not play a role in the decision to open Crossfire Hurricane or the four individual cases. About Peter Strzok, it says, while Strzok was directly involved in the decisions to open Crossfire Hurricane and the four individual cases, that's the four FISA warrants, I believe, the four investigations. Yeah. Um, into it was Car- additional, additional people, yeah. Additional, Carter yeah. Page, et cetera. Yeah. He was not the sole or even the highest level decision maker as to any of those matters. So I wouldn't say this is like, you know, clearing Peter Strzok and Lisa Page in terms of what they wrote, but it certainly clears them of the idea that these, the investigation happened because of Lisa Page and Peter Strzok being biased against him. The, the report says the exact opposite. It does, and it should if that's the case. The, the main part here and the word to take away is scrupulously accurate. That is the standard that you had to have in order to have a FISA warrant really be meritorious. Because of the omission, the IG report is saying they did not go to such great lengths to have it be scrupulously accurate. Now, there are ways to reform that, and there are things, I think you made a great point, James, about the notion of if you are going to require people to have all the information, it's going to take a toll on the intelligence community at this way. But I think what was happening here from the words of Barr the idea of that wafer thin. Well, didn't we hear that last week? Yeah. Do they want to have a common theme of why everyone's against Trump? Do you feel vindicated today, Mr. Baker? Do you feel as though you've been cleared? Uh, uh, not that you had a, necessarily a, a cloud above your head, but in terms of the aspersions that were being cast by President Trump. I mean, by the way, just as a note, there's nothing in here about Obama tapping his phone to Trump Tower, despite <laughs> yeah. that long discredited uh, bit of nonsense from the president. But do you feel do you feel cleared? Well, two things. One, I've slept well for a long period of time because I know we didn't do anything wrong. 
And I'm glad that the IG confirmed that that we didn't do anything wrong in the sense of trying to do some political misuse our power. We did not abuse our power for some political purpose. I think that's one of the key takeaways that people within the organization screwed up and made mistakes or left things out. Okay, fine. That's that seems like a valid criticism and that needs to be addressed. Quite honestly, I've been working on investigations for almost 30 years now, and most investigations have mistakes in them. All right. Thanks, Mr. Baker. We're going to go back to Gerald Nadler, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee and this hearing. We all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number smart beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.